things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy, coming at you as I love to do at least three times a week. I'm still here at Super Bowl week, but I'm still in the studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. By the way, gold is the silver bullet for protecting and building your wealth. Call my friends at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080. That's 866-257-3080. Or download your free investing kit by visiting them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. You know, <clears throat> I'm really, really looking forward to today's podcast because, ladies and gentlemen, you all know me as someone who speaks my mind. I think it's something that's very, very important to do. You got to exhale. You got to release. You got to let it go. You internalize, you hold stuff in. That's how you become unhealthy. It's just not good. You got to let it out. You got to exhale. You got to breathe a little bit. You got to vent instead of internalizing things all the damn time. Because to be honest with you, it's very cathartic when you do that. You should try it sometime. I would know. I do it all the time. Speaking my mind is how I express my thoughts and ideas which in turn compels someone else to possibly see a new angle or learn something new about me or what have you. Learn how I think. Learn why I think the way that I think. That's why I wrote my book, Straight Shooter. By the way, it goes to straightshooterbook.com. I don't ever, I never would tell you to not do that. But this is one of the things that I like to do. And I respect anybody who does the same. Don't get me wrong. It should be rife with intelligence. And you should be articulate. You shouldn't sound like a damn fool, ignorant and oblivious to what the hell is going on. Because why should anybody listen to somebody who's that kind of a person? I certainly would encourage you to I wouldn't encourage you to do that. And my next guest is somebody who's become very, very popular for speaking his mind. He usually does so in an incredibly hilarious way. But nevertheless, his his, his perspective is very poignant usually on point to a lot of people. And that explains why he's got millions of fans across this nation, if not across the globe. He's a great comedian. He's a great podcaster. And I got to be honest with you, it was a lot of fun and very, very enlightening to talk to him because when he says something, he usually means it. When he asks a question, it's usually a very inquisitive one that gives you food for thought, makes you say, hmm, I got to give respect where respect is due. And you will, too. I promise you that when you listen to him, he's my next guest. He is Mr. Adam Carolla himself. And he's right here on No Mercy with yours truly. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Ladies and gentlemen, if you think yours truly can go off on a tangent, 
It's nothing compared to some of the hilarious rants of my next guest. He's built a career off of it, actually, either by hosting The Man Show on Comedy Central, doling out advice with his books, such as Everything Reminds Me of Something, or speaking out on his record-breaking podcast, The Adam Carolla Show. Please welcome the most unapologetic man in comedy, at least some would say, the man himself, Adam Carolla. What's going on, Adam? How are you, man? How's everything? I'm doing well. Uh, I had a, a thought. Sure. You're Stephen A. Smith because there's a bunch of other Steve Smiths out there, right? <laughs> well, actually, no, but that's I, that, that's a good guess. I just did it because I, I, I dedicated it to my mother because, believe it or not, growing up, I hated my name, Stephen, because she called me that when she was mad at me. Mm. And the middle of an issue was just because, you know, I did want to stand out because I struggled in school early in my life. So when I got a career in journalism, I used that as my byline as a tribute to her. That's what that was all about, my man. Nothing more. But I do like that was a good guess. I think Michael J. Fox is a Michael J. Fox because there was another Mike Fox. OK. Sagger after. But here's what I was thinking about last night that has to do with sports and names. Tom Brady's retiring, right? Yep. Tom Brady is a very common first and last name. Why is there no other famous Tom Brady? How come there's not a Tom Brady that played in the league or played basketball or was a famous senator or general? Like well, well, well let me say no this. Well, let me, well, let, let me say this. Uh, no, not. But I sincerely doubt that somebody with the name Tom Brady would be a star basketball player. It just doesn't seem to mix. Hockey. Pickle, pickleball. Okay. okay. <laughs> did you say pickleball? Is that what you just said? I did. Oh, 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 you know what? Curling. There's no famous Tom Brady who's a curler. I'm, I'm right. just saying Tom Brady's the most, it, it's the most common American name there is. How come there's not one other famous Tom Brady I can think of throughout history? I don't know. But let, I got news for you. There's only one Adam Carolla. Oh, that's cool. I don't see it. And I mean, there's, there's only one Adam Carolla. I don't know. I don't I don't know. The only other Carolla I know of, I think, is an automobile. That's about it. And I'm guessing that's about it. That's yeah. about it. All right. Let me ask you this about you. Is it true that, you know, uh, you know, you've been a part of comedy for decades, obviously. But before that, you worked in carpentry for 13 years. Carpentry? Yeah, I was a carpenter. Um, that was my job. That was my full-time job. So when when I left high school, I didn't go to college. I went on to a construction site. I worked as a laborer, and I worked my way up uh, to mm -hmm. carpenter, and that's all I did. I, I drove a truck, and I worked as a carpenter for over a decade. Mm. And then you make the transition to what? I mean, you decide to get into comedy? I mean, how did that come about? When I was about 21, 22, I looked around. I was broke. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with three dudes. I slept on a futon that I shared with another dude. I didn't have car insurance. I didn't have medical or dental. I was making about nine bucks an hour doing, wow. you know, doing hard labor all day. And I just sat at my uh, breakfast table one day and I just thought, well, let's get realistic. What are you, you going to do here? Uh, or what kind of life is this going to be? There's no perks when you work. That, the kind of construction I was working, it wasn't unions on, you know, at a studio. There was no golden time or overtime. There were no benefits. There was no nothing. It was just, you know, nine bucks an hour. It was like the guys that waited out front of the Home Depot to get a, a day rate, jump in the back of the pickup truck. That was essentially what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was like 22 
And I, I, was, I sat around and said, let's be realistic. What can you do? What are you good at? You're a bad student. You're not going to go to college. You're not going to be a professional. You're not going to be a lawyer. You're not going to be a doctor. You can't read. You can't write. You, you're, you're just, that's not going to work. You're not going to, there's no white collar corporate America Avenue from you. Uh, you're dumb. You're broke. Everyone, you know, your parents are dumb and broke. It's not going to work. I, but I said, I'm good with my hands. I, I got a strong back. I played sports in high school and everything. I, I know how to work. And I think I'm funny. That I could do. So what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I have to figure out what the funny part is. I got to start training in it like it's a sport. And I said, uh, you're 22 now. By the time you're 30, you got to be doing something creative, something other than digging ditches and swinging a hammer, something, writing greeting cards. It, It doesn't matter, just something. So I just set about, I said, well, you got seven, eight years Let's see what you can do. And I, I signed up for a Groundlings class. I, I did a million sketch improv shows and classes. And I, I took classes. I, I, and I did open mm. mics. And I just did anything I could do in the comedy department at night. It, during the day, I had to work full time. And mm. at night, I'd be at some local church doing improv with a bunch of other people. Wow. Wow. And look at where you are today. One of the things that I'm fascinated about, I know you used to do the man show. I know you're close with Jimmy Kimmel as well, who's phenomenal. It's always great to watch him do his thing every night doing late night television. But I remember, and what really stands out in my mind is you with this podcast, believe it or not, because obviously it's broken records. It's been absolutely phenomenal. And I think when you started it all in 2009, after your radio show was canceled, if I remember correctly, I'm just wondering, did you ever see it getting this big? Did you ever see yourself as having this kind of impact resonating this much in the podcast world? No, I, you know, I never see it. I never see the good or see the bad in advance. Mm. Potentially. I just go about my business. You know, I'm not never really been, much of a prognosticator, even even when I was young and still working construction and not in comedy, people say, what do you want to do? I, I would just say, I just want to move forward. I just want to be in a creative space. I don't know if I, I don't need to host a late night show or be a celebrity or be recognizable. I just need to move forward. So when I started my podcast uh, in 09, um, I had no expectations. My expectation was I was going to talk and some people would listen and that was enough. And there was a weird moment when I was about 28, 29, I had nothing going on career wise. And I said to the director of my comedy troupe, the Acme comedy troupe that I started with a few other people when I was about 26, I wasn't going anywhere. And this director had been watching me for like three years. And I said, what do you think? Like, where should, what should I do? What do you think my strength is? And he said, this is, you know, in 1991, he said, you need to do something where you just sit and talk every single day and you just spit out all your opinions. And I, mm. I thought, but that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like there is no job. He, he, he essentially created podcasting in wow. his head in 1991 and said, that's what you should be doing. And I remember thinking, fine, except for there's no, that isn't a thing. 
So I, I went back to, you know, the construction site. I went back to doing open mics. But it, but at some point when it became time to podcast, it just felt it just felt right. And I did it for free for the first year. At least I had no expectations of anything. I was just going to sit down and talk for an hour a day. Mm. And what do you believe is the reason as you're able to reflect on what you've been able to accomplish? What do you believe is the reason why your podcast has been so successful? I mean, you've got other podcasts under your umbrella and whatever you got your own podcast network. But I mean, it's about Adam Carolla. And when you think about your opinions, what resonates with folks? What makes it work? What what stands out in your mind as to why that is? You know, I think part of it is building a base, being present, being on terrestrial radio, having fans around around the country and, and building a support base. That's an important part of the beginning for me, because when I switched to podcast, I, I was able to take people with me. I did not have to build from the ground up. It was more of a remodel than it was a ground up build. That's my construction talk. Yeah, but I know. I'm listening. <laughs> I think for me, uh, it's a, it, it's not, you know, I and, and I think the same bodes true for you as well, which is it's not that I tell the truth. It's that people know I believe what I say, right. which is a little different because what I'm saying is, is you, me, Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, whomever. It, it's not so much that we agree on every subject. So I don't know what the truth is. How could the truth, the truth is different to you on some subjects than it is to me than it is to Bill Maher. Correct. But our audience knows whatever it is we're saying, that's what we believe. And I think in a world of like phony politicians and celebrities trying to get on the right side of every subject, I think that resonates with people. And you're known, like I said, and I was going to bring that up, and I respect this so much because, again, all of us don't always agree. Me, you, Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, just the names that you mentioned, along with various others. We don't always agree, but there is a respect that comes from the fact that you know, A, like you said, we believe what we're saying, and B, we're not afraid to say it. We're not trying to cater to whatever culture that's out there that's saying this is the way we're supposed to think. This is how we're supposed to feel about something. We make that determination ourselves. Nobody is doing it for us. That's my uh, perspective on why I think somebody like yourself, Bill Maher and others are so successful. Do you think that plays a role in it as well? The fact that everyone knows you're not interested in biting your tongue just to go along to get along. Yeah, I I think I think that's important. I think it's important in look, it's it especially in comedy, but any kind of communications. I mean, how, it w how would a lunch with a good friend of yours go if he thought you were kind of mixing and choosing your words and governing yourself because right. you had some other motives that were beyond a good conversation or a truthful conversation? I mean, even if it was just a one-on-one -on -one situation, it wouldn't mm -hmm. it wouldn't work out very well. And my feeling was, and I've said it over the last several years because this has obviously been a subject. Um, I didn't get into comedy to figure out what I could and couldn't say. You know, I got into comedy to say what I wanted to say. If I'm going to start mincing words and governing myself, then I can go back to carpentry. Mm -hmm. 
Have people tried to police you? Tried to police what you could and couldn't say or whatever? Has that been a battle and a fight as your cachet has grown, as your voice has resonated even more over the years? Yeah, there's always somebody who says, uh, lay off this subject or talk more about this and less about that. It's always, it's it's an ongoing thing. And it it happens, you know, it's it's not always business related. Sometimes it's just people going, Hey, I care about you. You know, this, this is going to hurt your brand or hurt your income or hurt your, hurt your whatever you, you, you know, when I sent out a tweet about COVID that pissed off everyone in the nation, um, Judd Apatow called me and he said, you need to take that down. Like he was calling me as a friend. It wasn't a, you know, like a political thing. He was saying as a, as a guy who likes me, I, I see all the crap you're taking. This is going to hurt you. Like you need to, you need to remove this, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not all a business thing. It's not all some guy who manages some hedge fund telling you yeah. it's going to help your bottom line if you get on board with uh, Ukraine or BLM or whatever, whatever it is, whatever the subject du jour is. Some of it, it's just people saying, hey, I care about you. Uh Watch what you say. And my answer is, is I don't really have any control over what I say. If I think it, if I'm thinking it, then I'm, then I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. And people, some people admire it. Some people say it's kind of foolish for us, you know, not to be concerned about sponsorships or our career being compromised. This having I don't give a damn attitude or whatever the case may be. I've never viewed it that way. I view it as when I think about an Adam Carolla, when I think about a Bill Maher, myself, Joe Rogan, so many, many others. It's not a matter of not really caring. It's actually that you do care. And it's like, wait a minute. This needs to be said because folks are scared to say it. But a lot of people are thinking this because it makes sense. So why the hell be so afraid to the point where you're paralyzed, particularly in a platform that you have available to you? Does that play a role in your thinking as well as you just, you know, with, with, with how you're just crystallizing your whole thinking process and how you go about doing what you do? Yeah, well, you make a very good point, which is I'm telling I live in Los Angeles. I have kids in high school and I'm saying open the schools and then I'm getting a lot of crap from the teachers unions and a lot of other groups. And so people would say, oh, he's putting this out there. He's tweeting it out there. He's saying it on his podcast because he just doesn't care. But I actually do care. I think kids are being hurt by staying home. Now, now the data's in and they've been screwed up by being locked down in California for two years. Uh, I have kids. I would like them to go to school. I would like other kids to go to school. It, it hurts the kids. So my controversial statements is because I care, not because I, I don't care. When I talk about whatever's going on in the state of California or even globally, I do care. It, it's it's not. It, it, so you're exactly right. I'm not giving my opinion because I don't care. I'm giving my opinion because I do care. Mm-hmm. How concerned are you about the woke culture that's really taking over? Because I've been, hey, listen, I've been adamant about it. Listen, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a, a, a liberal. I'm in the middle. I'm a centrist, all right? It depends. Some things I'm conservative about, some things I'm liberal about. That's just the way it goes. But when I think about woke culture, I think that we've lost our damn minds in certain respects and we've gone too extreme. 
How concerned have you been about that? Particularly, and I think for me, when I see a guy like Bill Maher, for example, who is a, a, who is a Democrat, who is a liberal rather, and he's spoken out against woke culture about how extreme it can be and how we've lost our damn minds as a society. I think that's something we all should be concerned about to some degree, not just the extreme right, but the extreme left, the fringes, as they say. What about you? Where do you stand on all of that? I find it sort of amusing. Like, I guess I would be more upset about it or I should be more outraged about it. But as a comedian, when I hear people explaining that you you have to call this person a, a birthing person, not a pregnant woman, and you shouldn't even say pregnant and, you know, people who menstruate and all this are it's, it's no, you know, or some op ed in the New York Times comes out and says, it's going to explain when I can use the Spanish word for hello, hola, when it's okay for me to say it, when I can't say it, or I can't say um, aloha or mahalo, or because that's cultural appropriation. There is a part of me that is wildly amused. Mm. I'm wildly amused by this entire chapter we're in as a society. Mm. I mean, maybe it's, Maybe it's a little bit of strange schadenfreude or something where I'm like, look at all this. Look at these idiots. Look what they're doing to themselves. They sound like idiots. But I I do kind of enjoy it on a weird level. Like sometimes if you ever have a tooth and it's a bad tooth and it's a little loose or something. Yeah, I just had that the other day. You'll flick it with your tongue just to feel that weird pain and then you'll go Stop it. You'll leave it alone again. Then you'll flick it again. I feel that way with the woke culture. I like, I hate it. I think it's destructive, but I'm wildly amused by it. I get where you're coming from. I guess the ultimate concern would be, do you ever believe that there's going to be a return to some semblance of normalcy? Because you do get the impression at times when you see some of the things that are going on, both extremes, right and left, that we'll never get back to normalcy. It's to the extreme and it's never going back there. That's my lone fear. What about you? Yeah, I, I do. You know, people say to me, because I'm, I'm a bit of a prognosticator, you know, where where's this society going? And I say half the country's going to a safe space and the other half's going to an octagon, meaning mm-hmm. we're just going to break it off. Uh, you know, the people that think normally are just going to leave California and they'll go to Florida or Texas or Nevada, and then they'll be surrounded with a bunch of like-minded people. And the people who think like Californians will flock to California, although it's not going to work out. Um, But I I think ultimately we're just going to kind of separate off, which is not what people want, but on the other hand, why not? Like, if you think in a conservative way, then why not just move to Florida and be surrounded by other people who think like you think? Right. Good point. Let me transition to your book. Everything reminds me of something. That's the title of it. Your latest book, you riff on everything from Hollywood to the economy to the president by answering questions from fans and famous friends. How did you come up with that premise? I always said had the title in my head of written five or six books. And I always had the title of everything reminds me of something because every time someone brings something up, I can barely answer their question because it reminds me of some other story or some metaphor or some event. You're probably wired that way as well. So the title, the title was pretty easy. 
Um, you know, when you write a book, you know this, you, you sit down and you talk about things you want to talk about because you're, it's your book. You're, you're going, here's what I'm interested in. Here's what motivates me. Here's stories, anecdotes from my life, so on and so forth, or jokes or ideas. If you ever have a book where somebody asks you a question and forces you to answer it, you have to go, I've never thought of that before. Mm. I never, and now you're kind of forced outside your comfort zone, which is, you know, somebody just, one of the questions in the book is, in this day and age of progressiveness and women outworking and all, all, all the progress we've made, how come every time you see a couple on a motorcycle, the man is still holding the handlebars and the woman's still on the back in 2023? Why is that? Wow. And I thought to myself, man, I've never thought about that. Never thought about it. But he's right. It, it's the same configuration as it was in 1965 in yeah. 2023, right? Yeah. And That's I true. thought, what? What is that? And so- I came up with an answer, which I can share with you. But what I'm saying is, is when other people are asking the questions, it does force you to think about stuff you've never thought about before. Mm. You know what? You're still friends with Jimmy Kimmel, who I might add you disagree with on a number of occasions, if I recall correctly. I, 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 want, I want you to touch on that relationship that you have with him. And where is it now? And, and why uh, did you guys remain so close all of these years? Because every time somebody brings up Adam Carolla, a lot of times they do bring up Jimmy Kimmel and how close you guys are. I don't know the answer to that question. Obviously, that's why I'm asking you. But I was curious as to why that is. I'm getting ready to start working on writing jokes for for the Oscars with okay. Jimmy. Um, I talked to him last Saturday. I called him up. Because uh, I was in, I was at a party with Suzanne Summers and Steve Garvey, and he loves okay. Steve Garvey. Ironically, so did I. I loved Steve Garvey when he was with the Dodgers. I loved him. He was a great yeah. first baseman. Yeah, so I had to, I had to take a picture and send it to him, and we talked for a while. Um, Jimmy and I do what I think most healthy people should do, which is we realize we love each other. We also have a fondness for each other. I mean, we also appreciate each other. Like, I really think he's funny and I think he's talented he and he really thinks brilliant. I'm funny and I'm talented. So we have a kind of baseline of respect, which is we're good at what we do, or at least we think each other are good at it. And we have a, a real affection and a love for each other as I think he's one of the best people I've ever met. He is one of the best people I've ever met. He's, you know, generous, thoughtful, everything, everything under the sun. He is that mm -hmm. guy. So then it comes down to who'd you vote for in the last presidential election or who'd you vote <laughs> for in the last gubernatorial election? And the answer is who cares when all the other stuff is in place? You know, I think for a lot of people, all the other stuff isn't in place. You may have that family member you disagree with, you argue right. with, but you don't have that base of ultimate respect for that person, for their, mag their magnanimous, their talented they're caring, they're generous, you know? And so in a weird way, and I've never thought about this before, I think it speaks to the overall relationship because I think so much of Jimmy and Jimmy thinks so much of me that politics be damned. That mm. could never affect what we think of each other. But if you've got that 
stepsister you never really got along with, who's a little bit of a dingbat, right? And you disagree politically. Now yeah. it's on. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I get where you're coming from because for me personally, like I would, I wouldn't say we're we're certainly not as close as you and Jimmy Kimmel are because y'all have a, a you know a long standing relationship. But I've known uh, your buddy Sean Hannity for about you know 15 years. Um, and he's always, always, always been supportive of me uh, since the day that I've met him. But I don't necessarily agree with his crazy politics sometimes, you know. But I, I, I know the guy away from you know those political views. And so when people, when I sit up there and he says we're friends, people are just aghast, they're appalled. And I'm like, because most of the time we ain't thinking about politics. But when, when, when we do, I'm like, why the hell would you say that? Why would you think that? That makes no sense. We argue about it. And then we go our separate ways. That's just the way it goes. So I get where you're coming from. My last question to you would be this. With all the things that you're doing, with your podcast, with the book, I mean, my goodness, I'm reading that you got construction shows that you've created and hosted several TV shows as well. What's next for Adam Carolla, considering the things that you've already done? I make documentaries, so there's always documentaries uh, coming down the pike. Uh, there's a, a, always podcasts, there's always books, there's always touring. You know, you can go to adamcarolla.com. There's live dates, Florida, and, uh, you know, all over, all over the country. And I'm just, I'm just moving forward and enjoying myself and not going to a construction site every day and talking for a living. So it's all, it's all gravy for me. When you go on the circuit, like you, 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 you're a comedian at heart, you go on the circuit, you make people laugh. Are, are you, are you political? With with you with your commentary, I mean, do you go there to tell jokes about politics, or I mean, how how does that work? We go to see an Adam Carolla show. What are we going to see? I'm coming to Baltimore too. Um, okay, I I get up there and talk about anything that I think is funny, and it's mostly sort of human condition stuff, and it's stuff that I'm trying to figure out that you're familiar with, but never heard it put quite this way. And sometimes it'll veer into into politics, but rarely it's it's more the human the human condition. Right. I got a stat here for you and I'll end it with this. You know, in 2011, your podcast, the Adam Carolla Show, became the Guinness World Record holder for the most downloaded podcast at the time after receiving over 59 million downloads. Did you know that about yourself? No. I mean, I, I know I have the plaque somewhere, but I don't I don't know the number. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. And I really enjoyed my visit to your show. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for coming on No Mercy. Really, thank you a lot. Anytime, Stephen A. All right, buddy. Take care. Did you know that last year the S&P 500 went down 20%? Bitcoin went down almost 60%. But gold not only didn't lose money, but went up a few percentage points. So far this year, gold has been steadily rising and silver is up almost 30% in the last six months. Experts predict gold will continue to skyrocket this year and you don't want to miss out. That's because gold protects you from inflation and market volatility. Gold and silver should be a part of every balanced investment portfolio. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust when it comes to investing in precious metals. What I like about LPM is they have an education first approach. Making investing decisions can be overwhelming, but their team takes the time to answer all of your questions and give recommendations based on your personal situation. 
Call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com to download your free investing guide. Don't leave your finances to chance. Be informed. Contact my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? A lot of fun talking to Adam Carolla. Very, very interesting commentary, you know. Um, the world that we're living in, I think he's a breath of fresh air personally. And I think that way, ladies and gentlemen, because in this day of excessive PC talk that we're constantly encountered with, where a syllable, a sentence, a pronoun, quite frankly, could get you fired. It's nice to talk to somebody that gives you the feeling that you can still say some things that are on your mind so long as it makes some damn sense and it's thoughtful enough. You can still say some things. We're not all completely muzzled, not just in our words and our verbiage, but our thinking. There are free spirits out there. And when you talk about the world ultimately becoming a better place, in some cases, returning back or rewinding the clock just a touch to a time where we weren't so so excessive in our judgment over every little damn thing Adam Carolla was definitely a breath of fresh air I hope y'all got as much as I did out of talking to him a few days ago I'm still at Super Bowl week as we speak but the bottom line is this um, I really, really enjoyed talking to him and I had to get that interview out to y'all because I had such a great, great time talking to him as well. I hope you did and you found it as enlightening as I did as well. I'm pretty sure you did. I'm looking forward to talking to him again, actually. He's somebody that I want to talk to a lot in the near future, to be quite honest with you. That's it for today's edition of No Mercy. As you all know, as I always tell you, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. And in this case, that definitely was true because there was very little about sports that Adam Carolla and I talked about. Nevertheless, we both learned a lot by talking to each other. That's what conversations are all about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what dialogue is all about. It's what communication is all about. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, you know I'll have more for you. See you soon. Peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.